therefore it's good. It's Vinny's View on the home of the Suns, Arizona Sports. Presented by Revitalize Weight Loss and Wellness. Eat smart, lose weight, keep it off with Revitalize. Proud nutrition partner of your Phoenix Suns. The new school on coaching isn't about yelling and screaming. It's about player development and empowerment and clear communication. Not everyone is a student of the new school. The New York Knicks were in town to face the Suns on Sunday. And let's just say their coach, Tom Thibodeau, is old school. He's the premier yeller in the NBA coaching ranks. Not in a berating way. Instead, a constant barrage of barked out instructions and messages for the officials. But all that high decibel instruction wouldn't make the ball go in the hoop for his team. The Knicks managed just 95 points in a 21-point loss to the Suns, who continue to thrive on the home floor at Footprint Center. The Suns changed up their rotation a bit on Sunday, going with Bismack, Biombo, and Ish Wainwright off the bench instead of Jock Landale and Dario Saric. As Monty Williams uh, described it, mostly to deal with New York's size. All 10 Suns players who got on the floor contributed six in double figures. Nine players with at least four rebounds as the Suns bludgeoned the Knicks on the boards to the tune of 60-39 to with 22 of those coming on the offensive glass. When you rebound like that, you win. Since the beginning of the 2020-21 season, NBA teams are 70-6 and when they grab 60 or more rebounds in a game with yesterday's Suns joining that category. Even shorthanded, the Suns look very comfortable at home. They are now 8-1 and in the friendly confines of Footprint Center. And that is a trend that may need to continue because early on, it looks like finding wins on the road will not be as easy as it was for the Phoenix Suns the last two seasons. Vinny's View presented by Revitalized Weight Loss and Wellness. Eat smart, lose weight, keep it off with Revitalized. Proud nutrition partner of your Phoenix Suns. Yeah, statistically, a strange game. The yeah. shooting wasn't great. But, man, did they rebound and share the basketball. Their assist uh, assist percentage was high, 35 assists. That's without Chris Paul. Um, you know, the Knicks are, are, are what they are, but it was a good bounce back. Friday night's loss in Salt Lake City to the Jazz was a <laughs> – that was a gut punch because the yeah. Suns played well enough to win uh, but just got outplayed by a, super, a superior effort by the Jazz. I, uh, I had the same reaction to Friday night's game as I did to the loss in Miami, and that was even though the Suns were out-executed down the stretch and even though it felt like a sucker punch, I walked away from both games feeling very enthusiastic about what I had saw and what it means for the long term of the team. Friday night, at least in the fourth quarter, I saw D.A. play with force. He kind of continued that again yesterday. Mm-hmm. Shot five free throws, missed four of them. That does not matter. The f- I, I think... I think somebody on this basketball team has finally gotten through to him prior to that game Friday night that, dude, you need to get to the free throw line. You better ramp it up. Friday night was a strange study in, in DeAndre Ayton, if you will, because... For a good portion of the game, without if you weren't monitoring the stat sheet with every possession up and down the floor, you're like, uh-oh, DeAndre Ayton's floating again. And then by the end of the game, he was close to a triple-double. And there was the one stretch in a very crucial juncture of the game where he blocked two consecutive shots mm-hmm. with force. He did. Um, with, uh, with disdain, with, even. Disdain is a good way to put it. And I, I, I thought the same yesterday. I thought he was part of the rebounding effort. Now, people, people are going to look and say, oh, he's only averaging 10 rebounds in this stretch of games. Whatever. I, I thought he played well yesterday. Um, the Suns, you know, there's a lot of people freaking out about the record. 
with the losses, six losses. We've talked about this before, but consider the nature of the losses. It doesn't make them easier, but four of those six losses have come by two points or less. The again, these this is regular season basketball. Yes. For for if if you've got if Suns fans are living and dying with each game's result, then then you're being really foolish because you know that teams that know they're good, they look at these things as kind of iffy propositions to begin with, and we also know the NBA is going to change dramatically at trade deadline. It always does, uh-huh. and it's going to this year as well. So uh, 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 you, you can see enough with your eyes to know the Suns are a good basketball team, and they're not going to miss the playoffs. Uh, there are, I, To me, there are big pic- picture questions like what in the heck is going on with Chris Paul, but Cam Payne has been really good. He's been fantastic. Stand, he's been fantastic. In six starts, Cameron Payne is averaging 20 points, 6.3 assists. The turnovers are manageable. He's shooting 46% from three-point range. Uh, he got this praise from Monty Williams yesterday after the game place with with us with me where uh, there's a trust level now um, I think it was four minutes left and they cut it to 16 and you know books looking at me and they're like coach you know I was like just if we can win this game and bag those minutes it'll be great for us but it was because Cam was on the floor and um, you know he's had this time now with Chris being out to get settled in that role and what I don't want him to do is back off at all um, when Chris does come back. Uh, we want him playing the same way he's playing right now. It was very important for Cameron Payne to get back to what he was two seasons ago. Early on this year, he's yeah. got to that point and then some because mm-hmm. he's got this increased responsibility. Monty hit on it right there. The key is keeping Payne playing at that level with the confidence that he has right now when he's playing less minutes. And look, what he's also doing, Bick, in my opinion, is he's probably swaying Monty Williams to even ease back on Chris Paul a little bit more in terms of playing time. Because this offense runs well with Cameron Payne yeah. out there. No, it does. It, in, in fact, you could make an argument in some cases, and I've made this argument, and sometimes they play with more pace, and more pace is good for this basketball team. Yep. It's good for Mikhail Bridges. I think it's, I think it's good for everybody, quite honestly. Uh, that isn't to say that Chris Paul's time isn't coming. Uh, the Suns will need him. <laughs> they will need him this year. There's no doubt about it. I thought it was interesting to me that Monty Williams went to the length of, because he used the word silliness to describe campaigns, what he had to get out of his game, mm-hmm. the the operating this basketball team in the in the late moments of a of a game when you can't make any mistakes and you you can't leave yourself exposed. Yeah, and he would just and he spent the time going through specific scenarios on and how to handle them. Well, that and, was at the end of the Golden State yeah. game where there's some fouls. You're like, what what are we doing right now? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So listen, I, I think um, I'm very enthusiastic. I think Tory Craig is 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 done what I didn't think he could do. He's sustaining with a with a heavier workload. Um, the defense kind of found itself again yesterday. Granted, it's the Knicks, but still, um, yeah. So I, I I think the way this basketball team is functioning. Given the pieces they're missing, is very yeah. very optimistic. Yeah. Very optimistic. And uh, can we give a little praise to Damian Lee, by the way? Yeah, he's been fantastic. He's been great. And in the fourth quarter. He becomes a different player. Yeah. I don't know, look up his shooting splits to see what he's shooting That's for three-point range in the fourth that quarter. That really was. Yeah. Uh, so good win for the Suns. They continue that uh, homestand tomorrow night against the Los Angeles Lakers, who are getting good play from uh, Anthony Davis. Coming up next, 
We still haven't had any resolution on the, well, there's a resolution, but we don't know the reasons behind it. The Eno Benjamin release, he's in Houston, Cardinals moving on, and the general manager didn't want to talk about it. We'll get into it next. It's uh, Bickley and Murata mornings on this Monday here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Big Red Monday and Bickley and Murata mornings on Arizona Sports. Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. There are reports out there that he was unhappy with playing time and got into it with one of the coaches after the game. Can you confirm that? Wish him the best in Houston. Steve Keim, general manager of the Arizona Cardinals, on with uh, Burns and Gambo on Friday. Gambo posing the question that a lot of Cardinals fans want the answer to. Uh, may or may not get it uh, Wednesday night when the new episode of Hard Knocks comes out. Uh, but that was the response. Wish him the best in Houston. Uh, Steve Kime elaborated a little. Yeah, well, Cliff, Cliff, I think, addressed that. And, you know, it was a decision made by the organization. And, you know, we, we wish him well in Houston. Uh, what did you make of that, Bick? Uh, I don't know what to make of this. I, I, I Clearly, the general manager does not want to talk about it. And clearly... Um, it's up in the air whether or not we're going to get resolution to this. As we noticed on Friday, the reports that HBO's Hard Knocks was going to tackle this subject in a way that the producer said the incident was, quote, shocking. Um, apparently, that whole thread has just disappeared from Twitter. And, and, and people are wondering, okay, are they actually going to deliver this? Or did the Cardinals slash the NFL get involved and say, hold on, hold on, let us take a look at that before you start making promises? Yeah. See, to me, and I wonder about that because if Eno Benjamin is the one who really pushed the line and crossed the line to the point where the Cardinals had no no other outcome but to send him packing, then what would the Cardinals care? If this showed up on hard knocks, yeah, I don't look. Uh, now the NFL might. Yeah, I mean, so what? What happened? In case you're unfamiliar, was the director of of Hard Knocks from HBO went on a podcast, the Go PHNX Cardinals podcast, and and described the situation. Hey, you're going to see this, and you know, didn't offer it up, but when pressed by the host of the of the podcast, uh, Johnny and Bo. He kind of said, "Yeah, we're going to show it," and it, you know, I would describe it as shocking. Mm-hmm. Now, the the YouTube video, Sarah explained this to me. The YouTube video is still up. Okay. The Twitter thread's gone. Okay. Could this be the Cardinals getting wind of it and saying, "Hey, this is where we're going to exercise our editorial control and say we're not we're not going to show this. We want to move on from it. We want uh, to move on from you know Benjamin. Let's just uh, you know let's just axe that or, from the episode." Or, or did the NFL and HBO uh, and, and NFL Films say? We don't want these nuggets coming out ahead of the, you know, ahead of the episode being released. I don't. I, I don't know what to expect here. Uh, I think that. Uh, I think that if you follow what the Cardinals have been saying, I, I, I think that it seems more to me like the NFL might be embarrassed by the incident more so than the Cardinals. And that is to say, if Eno Benjamin lost his mind and did so in a real vile, profane way, or a very menacing way, or 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 it crossed a line that that painted NFL players to be completely out of control. 
then then I think the NFL might step in and say, no, not so fast. Time out here. Because if the car because a lot of the fan base is wondering, okay, come on now. This is this is a guy you've been raving about. This is a guy that was leading the team in yards per carry. This is a guy that was functioning as the best running back, you know, prior to James Conner's game last week that they had. Why why are you playing him like this? What was so bad about this? Mm -hmm. And so I think if, if this was Eno's fault, I think the Cardinals would be like, sure, show it. Go ahead. Because I think it would be easy validation for them, right? For yeah. people who thought, for people who might have suggested the Cardinals have lost another relationship with a player and another relationship with a key player has turned sour, those things add up. The team ends up getting blamed for all that stuff. So I think in this case, if this was all Eno Benjamin's fault, and it sure feels like it was then you would think that the Cardinals would want transparency. The NFL might not. And, and there is a difference, as Mike Florio in the interview we had with them last Friday pointed out. The NFL network is the NFL's propaganda arm. Yes. Now, doesn't mean they don't create great content, because they do, but there's a strict control. There's, there's parameters that they will operate under. Uh, and now at the running back position... Yeah, it's not a position of strength. Corey Clement has been uh, up, you know, he's been elevated to the, to the active roster. So you go in now with three running backs, uh, James Conner, Keontae Ingram and, and Clement. Last week, James Conner got 96 percent of the backfield touches. For the Cardinals, there was only one other healthy. only one other running back had a higher percentage than that, so they are ready to lean heavily on James Conner, a guy who has not been completely healthy throughout this year. Um, it, it's interesting, and Eno Benjamin is in Houston. He was not active for yesterday's game. It does feel like something is missing from this story, though, isn't it? Because a lot did, is missing. Did Eno think that when James Conner came back that he was going to be the number one back still? Or that he was no. going to even split carries 50-50? This offense is... Cliff does not run that off the offense he, like that. He doesn't, but but Bick also brought it up last week about communication. You know, what was advertised, what was promised, what was talked about. Mm. And, the, and, the, yeah. and look, the fact that I, I don't know when this you know, alleged dust-up happened on the sidelines. It was after the game. But when James Conner came out for a spell, it wasn't Eno Benjamin getting that those carries. Well, it was Keontae Ingram because this, yeah, this issue um, predates Eno Benjamin. There's there have been a handful of guys who have just their playing time has been up and down and up and down and up and down. And we're talking about Andy Isabella and Greg Dorch and AJ Green, mm -hmm. and and it's. I guess in many cases that could be perfectly fine, but it could also be painted as an offense where guys just do not know their roles and they change and fluctuate on a week to week basis. And that's not necessarily healthy for a football team. And we've seen a lot of that from Arizona. You haven't even mentioned the defensive players. Yeah. Like Isaiah Simmons, his career on playing time and Zayvon Collins last year. And Rondell Moore, how they used him last year a ton in the beginning and not at all. Even Zayvon Collins earlier this year. It looks like those issues on the defensive side are more ironed out than, yeah. than what's going on offensively right now. So, so again, so I think that that's what that's to me. This is why knowing the what about Eno Benjamin is is important because it, it could speak to a much larger issue here or it might just be a guy losing his mind in the midst of a game and crossing a line and stepping on the third rail yeah. and basically ejecting his career in Arizona. Yeah. And it's be, because again that 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 third rail for sideline flare-ups 
That's got to be really bad because the stuff that we've seen that happens. I mean, Tyree Kill, remember that time when he basically attacked an assistant coach? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, so stuff happens all the time on the sidelines. Right. So, we're conditioned to expect heat, yeah. yelling, so I, look, conflict. Right. The fact is, if you're going to get into an altercation with an assistant coach, the rule of thumb is be a really, really good player that's, and, and, and an invaluable it. starter. That's it. <laughs> that's it right there. And it's not, not just in football. It's not rocket science. That's really, uh, but I will say this: like this is another player that's leaving the Cardinals or left the Cardinals mm-hmm. in less than ideal conditions. And that list of those players that are unhappy with their recent experience with the Cardinals continues to grow. I don't think that's a great thing. That's no. just me. Even no. and, and from everything that we've been, you know, been speculating upon because that's all we can do in this situation. It sounds like this was an Eno Benjamin production, but still the, the reasons behind that, I, I think there's some meaning there. We'll, we'll see. Uh, coming up next, Sarah will help us get caught up on the big stories of the day with the Rush Hour Reboot. It's Bickley and Murata mornings on this Monday here from the Akchin Community Studios on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Good morning, everyone. Welcome on in to the Rush Hour Reboot here on Bickley and Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It is an exciting day in Valley Sports. The Suns are coming off of a win, and we've got a big game south of the border tonight. I am Sarah Cazell taking you through the top stories of the day with Dan Bickley. Hey. With Vince Murata. Every time I think I'm out, they pull me back in. Ah, just like those Arizona Cardinals, am I right? Yeah. Yes. And Jarrett Carlson. Who stirs poo? What? What? Don't who stirs poo? Oh, who stirs poo? I thought you said poo stirs poo. Who stirs poo? Oh, maybe you did. Okay, or, we're getting into or the play it eight times. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, welcome in. If you're listening to our show for the first time, that that is about it. That's what we are. That is about it. Yeah. All right, let's start out uh, with some injury updates from NFL Network's Ian Rappaport up early this morning. He says, expect Kyler Murray out and Colt McCoy in. Does not sound good for Kyler Murray to be playing again today. For the second straight week, it appears that Colt McCoy is said to be the starting quarterback to the Arizona Cardinals. And remember, Kyler Murray still dealing with that hamstring injury, was not able to get a full practice this week, still limited all week, although he did not practice at all. On Wednesday, all signs now point to Colt McCoy, which usually, guys, would be a really bad sign, a backup quarterback in a game that the Arizona Cardinals really do need to win against San Francisco 49ers. But Colt McCoy played really well last week. The guys seemed to play with him. 96.5 passer rating. Obviously, there is a drop-off, but they seem confident in Colt McCoy today. Maybe Kyler Murray back next week. All right. He also said DeAndre Hopkins should be good to go. It does seem like uh, Colt McCoy is going to have these services of DeAndre Hopkins dealing with a a hamstring injury kind of popped up in practice this week. I know there's some concern, a little bit of intrigue, was not able to get a full practice as well. There sounds seems to be some confidence that DeAndre Hopkins will be able to be out there. Okay, so bad news, good news, depending on who you are. Um, even with all of the excitement around how Colt McCoy played in the win over the Rams last week, we've established pretty clearly, and I don't think anyone is arguing this, that the ceiling
ceiling is higher when Kyler Murray is out on the field compared to Colt McCoy, at least athletically. Uh, athletically. What will Colt McCoy need to do well to put the Cardinals in their best position to win? Uh, yeah, as I said earlier, the leadership, the poise, and the efficiency. It's very, it's, it's very, um, very clear-cut what he brings to this offense, and, and he, he's going to have to duplicate that against a 49ers defense that's two times the defense the Rams were last yep. week. Continue to get the ball out quickly. Don't turn it over. Sounds basic, but, you know, D'Amico Ryans and that San Francisco 49ers defense is going to try to make that very difficult, but I don't I don't think the to-do list is any different for Colt McCoy this week. Mm, yeah. Uh, speaking of that 49ers defense, they've got the best run defense in the NFL. They only allow 82.7 yards per game on the ground, and then their offense uh, produces an average of 360 yards per game. That ranks in the top 10 in the league. That group, so dangerous. It includes Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, here is the Cardinals defensive coordinator Vance Joseph last week talking about Run CMC, whom the Cardinals have already seen once this year when yeah. he was still with the Carolina Panthers back in week four. Obviously, he's a great player. We played him in week two or three, and maybe, um, yeah, I mean, he adds, he adds the passing game element from the backfield for those guys. He's uh, he's in the slot. He's running jets. He's running sweeps. He's catching balls downfield. He's throwing passes. You know, so to watch what they've done with him uh, the last month has been uh, kind of scary. But um, we'll see what happens on Monday. Okay, from that group, who is most dangerous for the Cardinals to face? Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, or George Kittle? Take oh. your pick. <laughs> yes. And yes. All and of yes. the above. And ouch. Um, the Cardinals have struggled again with, with tight ends. They've done a great job on, on top wideouts this year. But the, the trade-off for the opposition has been to get, you know, the tight ends involved, and George Kittle mm-hmm. is a huge factor. Um, but the way they employ Samuel and and um, McCaffrey is scary is the right word. Vance Joseph used it. It's scary. I, I don't think, know what the answer is. I think there. when the Cardinals played the Panthers, I think that they did a decent job of limiting Christian McCaffrey. I, I, I think Debo Samuel is the answer. They're all very dangerous players. They're, and and the, that entire offense is healthy. That yes. offensive line, the, and the left side of the 49ers offensive line is terrific. Trent Williams, obviously everybody knows that that dude, but <laughs> they just they don't give up sacks. This is, the Cardinals defense is going to have to be sensational tonight. I saw a whole thread over the weekend on Trent Williams tipping plays with, oh, his, yeah. with his stance yeah. Yeah. at left tackle, but it doesn't it matter doesn't because he's matter. so freaking good. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> he can tell you what they're doing and nobody can get yep. past him. Yeah. Okay, so Bick, you just mentioned it. When the Cardinals played the Panthers and Christian McCaffrey was still there, they did do a pretty good job limiting him. He only had 27 yards on the ground on eight carries, paired with 81 yards and a touchdown uh, on nine receptions. Is there anything you would like to see the Cardinals replicate from how they played McCaffrey the first time around? I think it's apples and oranges because you're talking about Christian McCaffrey with a really terrible Carolina Panthers team as opposed to Christian McCaffrey as one of a number of offensive weapons. I'm not sure there's much application this week for that. Uh, well, I, I think I think conceptually what what the question becomes, if you're Vance Joseph, is is how sturdy do you make that box around the line of scrimmage? How much do you dare the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo to beat you just by passing the ball? I, I do think that that's probably going to be part of their game plan to really sell out on the run because if because if the 49ers start coming at you downhill like that it's 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 nighty night lights out yeah yeah 
certainly. Uh, Byron Murphy Jr. out, by the way, speaking of uh, the pass against the Cardinals. A lot of exciting games yesterday. Crazy games, wild results in the NFL. Uh, which winning team right now do you think is the biggest pretender, guys, as we are now well into the second half of the season? Is it the 8-2 and two Vikings who got the just absolutely knocked out by the Vikings yesterday? Is it the 7-3 and three Giants? Uh, Cowboys. Or, yes, excuse me. Uh-huh. Wait, what did I say? The Vikings, Vikings got knocked out be- by the Vikings? They kind of did. Well, yes. <laughs> I meant what I said. But yes, by the Vikings. Uh, the 6-4 and four Jets who are having some issues or the six and four Seahawks who had the week off. Biggest pretender. It's Vikings, not, Giants, Seahawks. Jets. It's not the Seahawks. It, <sighs> it's not the Vikings. It's no, the Giants. As, as, yeah, it's as, the Giants. As tempted... Uh, did you say Jets or Giants? Or are they both in the mix? They're both in the mix. Oh, okay. Uh, as tempted as I am to say, the Vikings, after losing by 37 on their home field, it's not them either. Yeah. Um, it's either the New York teams, yeah. how, how, however you want to and, paint And it. we've kind of been waiting for those teams yep. to come crashing back yes, down to earth. And, and yesterday was kind of that action happening. I, the Jets losing on that. <laughs> they had two yards of offense. In the second half, and still found a way to lose on a punt return. Oh, oh yeah, with under thirty seconds to oh. go. Yeah, was it unbelievable? The first punt return touchdown of the season. Is that what I heard? Was it? I think I don't so. Know. Wow. In the NFL, because that's pretty much just you know. Let's find out. Well, kickoff returns don't happen very often, and that happened yesterday too. With the Falcons. That's you right. are correct, for Daryl Daryl Patterson. Wow. First punt return touchdown of the season. That's right. I did not realize that. By the way, for any Cardinals fans who are still bellyaching about the Cardinals uniforms, be glad they're not wearing what Atlanta wore yesterday. Those things are awful. Okay. <laughs> Wait. I know you don't care, Beck. I don't. I just. <laughs> the gradient red and black things? Uh-huh. Oh, just terrible. Uh-huh. Good, good win, though. Yeah. Uh, there right. we go. We're all rebooted. Rush yeah, hour reboot every morning at uh, 730. Coming up next, we'll continue to break down Cardinals 49ers. With Lorenzo Alexander. Zoe will join us next here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Big Red Monday and Bickley and Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports. Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. Yeah, Big Red Monday, a preview as opposed to a review today here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. We continue to preview tonight's game against the 49ers down in Mexico. We are joined by the one and only Lorenzo Alexander to help us break it down. What's up, Zoe? How are you? I'm doing great this morning. Up early, getting ready to take my my youngest to school, but want to jump on with you guys first. Nice. Well, I appreciate the time, as always. Uh, when, when you consider everything with the Cardinals, no Kyler Murray, uh, absences on the offensive line, DJ Humphreys out, no Byron Murphy, Hollywood Brown looks like he's not going to come back. Going up against a team uh, in, in a must-win situation the Cardinals are in, but going up against a team like the 49ers, all things considered, uh, Zoe, how do, you, how do you size up the Cardinals' chances tonight? I mean, obviously this team... Uh, you know, in the 49ers, I think it's obviously a, a, a much harder matchup than what they faced last week. Um, when you think about uh, everything that the Rams have been going through this year and, and how 
I guess, lackluster their season has been as well. And I think the 49ers have a lot of hope. Obviously, they have Christian McCaffrey, uh, Debo Samuels, Brandon Ayuk, and they got a lot of different weapons. And so I think they have to be more than P's and Q's. And I think this front seven of the 49ers defense is better as well. But I think, you know, again, you know, each week you have to come up, strap them up. And if you can dominate the line of scrimmage, I think which the Cardinals did at times last week, I think, uh, you know, obviously Aaron Donald still had some impact in the game. He didn't have the stats. But if they can hold up like like they did last year or last week and not and be more consistent than what we've seen prior, especially that offensive line, I think that's really been the mainstay. I think they, you know, they can still have a shot because they have so many playmakers on the outside uh, that stepped up. You know, Rondell Moore, obviously Hop. I know he's, he has a little bit of hamstring, but I think these guys can still make enough plays. And then if you think about the defense, have, have for the most part outplayed. I think what we had the ex- expectations of them and, and create a couple of turnovers. They have a shot. Obviously, it's going to be a little different. And I think any time that you you're playing in a different place, right? I, you know, Mexico is such a, a transition. You, nobody's used to pe- playing there because it's, it's something uh-huh. that kind of offbeat. Uh, anything can really happen. That altitude in Mexico City is its almost 2,000 feet higher than in Denver, and I know you had a little experience playing there when you were with Oakland in 2015. <laughs> the Cardinals chose not to really do anything. The 49ers went all the way to Colorado Springs where they right. trained in altitude, but it was also snowy, and a lot of their players were grumbling. What do you think of this difference in preparation, and, and what really matters for a game at that altitude? So if you talk to some of the professionals, it really doesn't matter as far as you prepping it unless you're out there for a significant amount of time. And so I don't know how long the 49ers were there. And, and then obviously I don't know what the difference is when you go up even even a little bit more. So, if, you know, if you have like four or five days to acclimate, then it's worth doing. But just going out there a day earlier doesn't really matter. But at the end of the day, when I was in Denver, the only time it really impacted me significantly when I was aware of it is having to cover punts twice in a row. Um, and so maybe if a guy has to mm. run, you know, a couple of go routes in a row, yeah, right. back to back. But unlike, you know, unlike uh, on offense, punt, there was no backup. You know, nobody was coming in to sub in for you. They would sub out the gunners. But so that you could do that with, I guess, rotation. And so I know the Cardinals aren't very that deep there, but you can kind of figure out ways to spell guys. But that's the only time, you know, running a significant amount of distance back to back plays without that break in, in, in the middle is when it really kind of creeps up in your mind. That's good news, though, because the Cardinals don't run go-routes. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was That's cold. Man. So you set me up. I had to take it. That's cold. Lorenzo Alexander, our guest here on uh, Bickley and Murata Mornings. The last time we spoke, and at the beginning of the year, there was a lot of concern uh, about Isaiah Simmons, his place yeah. in this defense. He wasn't playing a ton. Last week, for the first time all season, Isaiah Simmons played 100% of the defensive snaps, and I think at a certain point, about week four or five, the light bulb went on. What have you seen from Isaiah Simmons uh, in his continued development this year? Because I, I think he's been, you know, very good to excellent for for the past few games. Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, and you know, even Zayvon in there too. I mean, I think both of these guys are incrementally getting better each and every week, and their confidence is growing with that. I mean, I think this year we've seen more of those big splash plays that we want to see from, uh, you know, your high draft picks, the core of your defense, and guys that are going to be here for, you know, five to ten years, hopefully, uh, based on what they continue to become. Um, you know, obviously, I'm, I'm a stickler, um, you know, being in the league for a long time and, you know, kind of becoming a pseudo coach. And even now, as I've transitioned out coaching now, I'm, I'm all about the details and, and the consistency from play to play because that's what allows you to 
to increase your ability to, to to play at a high level and make these plays even more more often. And so um, I say I say this: they've definitely gotten better. You can see their confidence. They I think they're understanding what they're being asked, what their role is. Um, but you know, some of the things that you know I, I still want to continue to see is just better hands, better understanding of what the, how the offense is trying to attack you. So you're not so reactionary, but you're almost you know uh, almost predicting what's going on. Um, and then and then lastly, just the consistency of running to the football uh, because when those guys show up at the ball, most of the time, great things happen, yeah. whether they're jawing it out, getting a pick off of a tip. And so if they can consistently do that even more, um, I, I, I will say these guys are, you know, obviously ceiling is, is, is to the roof. All right, last week, Colt McCoy proved that poise and leadership and efficiency can carry a football team a long, long way. Yeah. What, what, do you, what do you make of what we're seeing from him, and, and what do you think is going to happen if he can pull off this victory over the 49ers? What would that do to that locker room? Because I, I, I think it would be a little difficult just to hand the ball back to Kyler Murray, even though he's the guy, if, yeah. Colt, if Colt can pull this off. It, it would be difficult, but Kyler's going to get the ball back in his hands. He's just too dynamic, um, um, and he's gotten paid, and that's just the way you know the league works. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and you have a veteran for these times of uncertainty when Kyler can't play or health, whatever it may be, get sick, COVID, whatever. You have a guy for these moments uh, because – He's he's proven. I think guys have great confidence in him. So when he comes to the huddle, there's not like, man, what, what are we going to get? You know, we know what we're going to get. We know what type of player he is. And we saw that last week. He's going to get the ball out of your hands, be on time, schedule. But this league is so hard. And, you know, coach can make all the plays, but I don't know if he can make that special play. Right. Right. We all have, you know, some type of ceiling to our game uh-huh. and the uber talented ones are getting paid or are the starters for a reason. And so that's always the thing that, you know, coaches and GMs because some things you just don't have a play for and you need a Kyler Murray's ability uh to get you out of that down and get you there. So uh he's gonna get it back, but obviously Kyler still needs to, you know, develop and grow and, and become the complete quarterback that he can and that's it's going to take more time than obviously any of us uh, want. All right, if you were putting together the defensive game plan, what are you doing? Are you selling out to stop the run and, and making Jimmy Garoppolo beat you, throwing the ball? How, how are you attacking this game? Well, that's hard because, I mean, on the back end, you kind of beat up a little bit, yeah. too. and so <laughs> Pick your poison, I mean, right? Yeah, pick your poison. Ideally, you would love to be able to stop the run um, in your traditional sets and not have to have another guy in the box because of the weapons and what this team can do on the outside. I mean, even with Christian McCaffrey, he's like another pseudo running back that can spread you out and they can have another running back in the backfield and, and, and just so many athletes that they can put on the field to kind of confuse you. So I know Vance Joseph is going to look at, the, uh, look at um, Shanahan you know, kind of call sheet and percentage-wise what he has done and try to dial up calls, which I think he's been really good at all years, when to bring Buddha to the to where, where the team likes to run the ball. And so I think it's really going to be on Vance Joseph having a good feel of what Shanahan likes to do and putting his guys in advantageous plays uh, per the situation. And, and you can't just sell out one or the other because we also know Jimmy, with these athletes, has the ability to put the ball out there and, and give them a chance for run after the catch, what they're great at, and put points on the board. And so so it's, 
I think it's going to become more down to Vance Joseph really having a, a good sense and feel of this game and putting the guys in a great place. And, and so sometimes that means selling out uh, run run blitzes. Sometimes that means, you know, uh, what, I, what I really like he does is those simulated blitzes where he brings everybody up to the line and then brings somebody out, and it's still four guys rushing, but then they overload a side to kind of confuse that off, off yeah. of the line who hasn't been you know healthy really all this year either. Zo, thanks so much for joining us. Always good to talk to you. Appreciate the insight, and have a uh, great holiday, man. All right, you too, fellas. Hey, Thank you. Lorenzo Alexander, NFL analyst. He joined us here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Uh, 8 o'clock has arrived, just about. Bick's going to kick off the second of the fire. second half of the show with some fire. Fire on this uh, big red Monday. The blast is next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hi, this is Byron Murphy. This is Cole McCoy. Hi, this is Buddha Baker of the Arizona Cardinals. Big Red Monday continues on Bickley and Murata mornings.